You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And welcome to the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. It's the welcome back, Joe, edition of the show, even though I suspect he may not actually want to be back. My name's Oz Davis. I'll be your co-host for the show. And our returning hero is Joe Pritchard. Joe, how are things up there in Wisconsin after a lovely almost week in Canada? Uh, pretty good. And uh, when I once I start getting... Uh, sad about not being there anymore i'll be on a plane back to it and oh let's see 30 days i think i'm okay <laughs> nice hey just in time for the start of nfl season you'll be going up to canada that's perfect joe exactly. it's perfect for a cfl fan all right well uh as it turns out my co-host is now a celebrity up north but we can talk about that a bit later in the show let's talk about the dumb luck of the rouge white and blue now of course last week because joe went up to Canada. We recorded the show early, and naturally on the one week that recorded the show early, some big news happens. Uh, namely, we got a couple of quarterback transactions last week. Zach Galaris is traded to Toronto uh, from Saskatchewan for, uh, what was this, a fifth-round pick, I believe? I, I believe wanna, that was a f- I want to say a fourth, but it's a mid-round pick. We'll go yeah. with that. Yeah, it's in the it's in the 30s to 40s, um, and also of note, last week was the Alouettes releasing Brandon Bridge, which is kind of a surprise because they're having to go with Antonio Pipkin now next week. Uh, of course, they weren't expecting an injury, but I'm surprised that they're ready to stand pat with the quarterbacks that they have. Uh, Caleros, of course, is still not active yet. Uh, the Toronto Argonauts, much to Joe's dismay, lost. Uh, uh, sorry, won last week against the the Bombers anyway. So I guess we're waiting. I don't even know. We we got a few more weeks wait on Caleros, I suppose. Um, is this going to do anything for the Argonauts this season or beyond, Joe? That's a tough, tough question because that is very, very reliant on Zach Caleros staying healthy, and he hasn't been able to do yeah. that. So I yeah. would just say no by default until or if he could have even a string of games in a row where he is healthy. And I don't know if that's a thing that can happen anymore. <laughs> well, just just recently, Argo's uh, staff came out and said, well, there's no timetable for his return. So I'm not even sure what this trade was about, really, to be honest. I mean, yeah, the quarterback situation in Toronto is pretty pretty let's say shaky for the time being but kind of a strange trade much more scintillating trade much more interesting trade i think for both teams involved was just happened this week kenny stafford was traded from the edmonton eskimos to the saskatchewan rough riders for special teams returner chris john jones that's that's kind of an interesting uh get back i guess i'm not too surprised that edmonton traded stafford 
just more surprised that they even tried to sign this guy in the offseason. I mean, Stafford has been one of the big play receivers in the CFL, and he's not on a big play receiving team right now. Or he wasn't. Uh, this is great news for Saskatchewan, isn't it, Joe? I think both teams got something out of this. Mm -hmm. Edmonton's been searching for a returner for... Well, yeah. probably since Gizmo retired, <laughs> or at mm -hmm. least it feels that way anyway. Mm -hmm. And Saskatchewan gets another weapon to add to their passing game, which is a lot more frisky than anybody wanted to give them credit for before the season started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can we can talk about this a bit later. But uh, <laughs> I believe that their quarterback, who was kind of scoffed at, Mr. Fajardo, uh, to going into this season, has he 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 was one of the uh, performers of the week according to the CFL last week. So we can talk about Mr. Fajardo in just a moment. But let's let's talk first about Joe's momentous trip. Um, now, okay, so you preceded your trip to the game on Thursday with a concert. Am I correct? Yes. Uh, okay. Happened. How was that? How was that? The concert was fine. Uh, I'm not a big concert person, but it was enjoyable for what it was. Mm -hmm. Now, much to my surprise, Joe was able to brag on Twitter about how he actually got a story about him, not his story, but a story about him on CFL.ca, the official website of the league. How did this all come about, Joe? How did you get profiled by the league? Well, so here's how this uh, unfolded. Uh, so every time I go and pick up Canadian money from the bank, I always make a tweet about it. Because it always makes me feel happy because I know I'm going to be in Canada within a right. few days at that point, right? right. Well, Carlos from the league uh, saw it, liked it, and the next thing I know I'm being asked if he can uh, talk with me when we get there. And long story short, we have breakfast on Wednesday morning. We talk, uh, have that little interview that is posted on the CFL.ca website underneath the snap category. And then uh, after that, uh, he got us sideline passes for before the game. Nice. Nice. Now, your wife was also interviewed. She was also part of the profile. Now, she's not seriously a Stamps fan, is she? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, not really in the sense that she follows the team or anything. She, it's mo most of what she gains from the CFL's by osmosis, and that basically means sure. me putting it on the TV. And every once in a while, she will say something that makes me go, "You're actually paying attention to this, even though you seem like you're not." Uh, she has made reference to liking the colors of the stamps and wanting a sweatshirt like oh, that. Okay, sure. uh, that's about as far as that ship sails. But <laughs> then I also have my boy that wears Edmonton gear because of Joe Balineski. So that could be an interesting picture someday if we ever got all three of those things together. I still think you ought to be uh, turning him on to the Atlantic Schooners early. He can get, literally get in on the ground floor of a team that's almost as old as he is. In any case, so you're at the game. And uh, as we know, this turned out to, to have a final score of 28-27. Now, the Barbers got out to a 20-point lead in this game. We can talk about what this means for them going forward, but couldn't hold on. Um, how, how did this look from the stands? How did you experience this game? Uh, so, uh, well, 
lots of things happened uh, even before the game that just still blow my mind. It was a fantastic experience, uh, completely first class all the way. Uh, I do want to say hi to the people that are probably listening for the first time. Um, I want to say hi. Thanks for listening. I did notice I did take a peek at our stats, and it looked like at least a few people were digging through the archives. So maybe we have some new fans. So I want to say hi. Yay! Um, so just from the stands, though, uh, you could just feel a lack of energy when the bombers went up 20, but you could feel it rise a little bit as the Argos uh, first put up a field goal mm-hmm. and then put up a touchdown right before the half. And I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Something's <laughs> wrong here. And now it took almost the whole second half for the Argos to get out front Uh if they would have waited another minute, I'd have been probably uh, say, uh, feeling a little bit better about things because they wouldn't have ever taken the lead to begin with. Mm-hmm. But you could just see the frustration from the sidelines because I was four rows up from it. Uh, there was definitely some frustration. Uh, I think it's either going to be it's going to be a turning point for the Bombers one way or the other. It's either going to mm-hmm. be a very, very motivational thing or it's going to be one of those things that just uh, sucks the life out of a team. I, I would guess the former, because it did seem like they may have taken their foot off the gas a little bit too early in the first half. So maybe that, yes. and we've seen that before, even against the Argos this year. Yes. So maybe that is that it will be a lesson that will sink in. Uh, not that I, not that I think that pro athletes. Uh, openly go okay we're up by a lot let's i don't need to run quite as fast now but it's just one of those mental mental things that it, it kind of unexplainable intangible if you if you want to if you want to use that word mm-hmm. and maybe just maybe next time they get up to that big lead and there's something that goes against them uh they'll it'll snap into their heads hey we've seen that picture before let's not do it again Right. You've been commenting on this a lot this year that what the Bombers have shown is this unwillingness to take the foot off the pedal. Right. They are closing teams out. And this was really the first time this year that they weren't able to hold that lead. I mean, last week they lost as well to Hamilton, but that was the the reverse situation where Hamilton got off to the big lead and the Bombers just couldn't couldn't come back. Now, There was a story on the official website today entitled Bombers Using Losing Streak as Learning Experience. Actually, that might have been a few days ago. We're recording this on August 7th for release on August 8th. Um, Now, Adam Big Hill was quoted in the story as saying, quote, uh, there are matter of fact reasons why you lose. It's ball security, giving up explosion plays, not getting enough takeaways. Uh, It's poor second down conversion percentages. Etc. 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 However, when you take a look at the numbers, most of these things aren't bad. I mean, you you just brought up the I word intangibles, and it's like, you know, I watched this game, I uh, looked at the highlights, I even went through the replay again, and I just can't figure out what happened here. Um, except that, except that, the Argos could not get a play of over 24 yards. Now. They kept the Argos to plays under 20 yards. I guess the one bad thing you could say about the Bombers is that they allowed too many targets going to too many receivers. I think uh, um, 
eight, nine targets were found in this game. So I guess that's the one negative thing you could say. But what happened to the big plays? What have happened to the big plays in this past two games? It just kind of feels like uh, the offense wasn't able to get much going. And even in the second quarter, I'm like, keep feeding Harris, keep feeding Harris. And it felt like it just... I'm looking at the 152 yards, and I'm thinking, it just doesn't feel like he even got it enough even then. Uh, They were having trouble stringing together drives in the second second half. Uh, The defense was... It seems like the strategy for the defense uh, was the same one that they did against the Eskimos, where they tried to put a cap on all the big plays and tried to slow down the other team's offense. Uh, You know, a first down here or there is not the end of the world, but, you know, stringing five, six, seven of those is going to put you in the end zone. Uh, They just weren't able to make enough of the stops because the offense wasn't keeping the ball long enough in the second half. Yeah, it sure seems. I guess I guess that would have to be the reason. The, the, the defense must have gotten tuckered out because to look at Bethel Thompson's stats, uh, 37 of 49 for 343 yards, three TDs and zero interceptions. Wow. Uh, they made him look pretty good. <laughs> and, and also, I'm glad you brought up Andrew Harris, of course. How can you not? But uh, to me, he was the only uh, barber that was really on in this game. I mean, you talk about how he got 150 yards yeah they should have given it they only gave it to him 15 times yeah, uh let's it, see it how many felt like a well game. Okay. It, he did it, have six receptions as well right so. it, it did feel like a game though where there was a few situations where it called for just hammering the other side just keep giving feeding him the rock and the couple of times when they needed first downs to keep to stall some argo momentum that wasn't there and i don't know why Okay, well, uh, we'll talk about them next week. We'll talk about the Bombers next week because they get the most intriguing game, I think, of next week. They're, they're hosting the Calgary Stampeders. But uh, let's move on to the next of last week's games, which ended up being Saskatchewan Roughriders 24, Hamilton Tiger Cats 19. Now, when we pick the the winners uh, of these games last week, I just went with the opposite of whatever Joe took, and Joe screwed me. But actually, I can't complain too much because Joe uh, boiled it down exactly correctly. He figured, okay, you've got Dame Evans coming in here for Dane Evans. I'm sorry, not Dame Evans. Dane Evans coming in for his first start uh, this season at quarterback, uh, playing in a very rough environment in Regina. Um, Probably wouldn't be able to do quite enough. And that's pretty much what happened on one hand. Although I must say, Dane looked in charge didn't make too many mistakes i mean i don't think that he has the athleticism of their injured starting quarterback but but to me really the story of this game was more about cody fajardo um who again like i said before ended up being performer of the week uh but i think he should give some of that trophy to shaquille evans who also had a monster game uh he only had seven catches for 160 yards but 56 yards after catch so about one third really nice job really grinded it out for fajardo out there um so so for you joe what was this was this more of hamilton losing or saskatchewan winning i think it's more saskatchewan winning uh and it was a tight fought contest all the way. It's the kind of game you're going to see a lot out of Hamilton, at least for the next month or so, I would think. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Riders just did enough to win. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, a lot of exciting games this week. Uh, for a while there, I, w- I was worried about No Lead is Safe, but uh, No Lead is Safe might be back. Uh, this was a very exciting week. Now, yeah, remember, the... remember a couple weeks ago, or was it even last week, we were talking about categories these teams are in? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I was going to ask you now, doesn't Saskatchewan move up? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they, I'm... And they're hot, too. Three in a row? Yeah. As, uh, uh, you know, I would keep Edmonton in that same category. Um, you know, I don't uh, – we can talk about Ottawa Red Blacks 30, Montreal Alouettes 27 in just a minute, but I wasn't blown away by the Red Blacks in that game. You know, I still think Montreal is on that second tier or whatever. But anyway, I'll, I'll pick that fight with you momentarily. Uh, as for the Tiger Cats in this game, my feeling was just kind of that – Okay, maybe they can just write this one off. I mean, it's an away game against a Western team. You know, they're they're trying to integrate the new quarterback. And meanwhile, the number three team in the East beat the number two team in the East. So this isn't that big a deal for Hamilton, right? No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a, that's a game that you write off to the schedule gods right. not being on your side. Right. Well, geez, I mean, with with as good as Hamilton's schedule is, they can't win them all. <laughs> right. They can't complain about them all. All right. So let's talk Ottawa Red Blacks 30, Montreal Alouettes 27. Hey, Joe, guess what? I have a new least favorite player in the CFL. Can you guess who it is? Uh, it wouldn't be Deadman, would it? <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Deadman, of course, was the story of the game. Two return touchdowns and 300 yards in the first half alone went for, I guess, what you would call an Ottawa record uh, for return yards in a game, 377. A lot of folks were really on the edge of their seats waiting for that mythical third return touchdown, which has never happened in the CFL in a single game. Um, But what really bugged me about this game was, as an Alouettes fan, okay, um, you know, it was just you You watch this game in the first quarter. The Alouettes defense looked like the Alouettes defense completely dominated. They got an interception. They recovered a fumble. But this was all about Deadman. Deadman single-handedly answered the Alouettes defense and the Alouettes offense, which was doing, you know, its job. Uh, because they usually got a short field, but hey, you can't fault them. They were putting points on the board all through that first quarter and somewhat in the second. If Deadman doesn't exist, I mean, we have their souls crushed by the start of the third quarter. No no question about that. But uh, alas, Deadman does exist. Kept running back punts. Uh, the Red Blacks took the lead early in the third quarter at 21-17. Vernon Adams gets knocked out of the game and into concussion protocol. Antonio Pipkin comes in. Unfortunately, he's still Antonio Pipkin. For a while there, Joe, for a while there, Joe, I was trying to plan about how much I was going to brag on Twitter about my brilliance. Because you may recall at the beginning of the season, I did predict a tie this year between Montreal and Ottawa. And I was so stoked that I might actually get it but unfortunately the Red Blacks have Lewis Ward and the Alouettes had Antonio Pipkin so Alouettes go down 30 to 27 Antonio Pipkin apparently has to start next week because the Alouettes are underdogs at home Joe 
how desperate am I and how surprised are you at the development Vernon Adams has finally shown this season? I've been waiting for him to get a shot for a couple of years now. Uh, we talked earlier this year, too, about the Alouettes just needing to pick one and go with it. And secretly, I was kind of hoping it would be Adams. And he, show, <laughs> and he showed exactly why. Now, I hope this isn't a long-term thing for him. And I hope that the moment he's back and ready to go, and not too soon, because it's a concussion thing, so be careful. <laughs> but as soon as he's back and ready, I hope they give him the ball again. If they don't, uh, boy. <laughs> no, no, they're they're gonna they're gonna when 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 Pipkin was coming back, they asked about this in a, in a press conference and coach is like no 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 Vernon Vernon's keeping the starting job, so let's hope that this being concussion protocol I mean it you know again I don't want to play doctor but it didn't seem you know that serious at the time but of course with head injuries you never can tell so let's hope. This is not more than one week. Um, all right, let's talk about. But I don't want to say too much about the Red Blacks. I mean, I mean, basically, this game, Joe, was about the special teams for the Red Blacks, right? I mean, I didn't see much out of them. I mean, a great one for them. All right, you have to win this game in the East. Um, they're keeping in the race now. They're only half a game back of of Montreal for that two spot at three and four, but. I mean, were you blown away by the Red Blacks in this game? No, no, and I haven't been. Uh, but they are remarkably frisky for a team that doesn't have yeah. a quarterback. Yeah, it doesn't have much of a roster, to be honest. I mean, you know, but but yeah, they are the plucky team of the CFL, as they have been since their first season, more or less. Right, let's talk about this one. Now, in a week of very interesting, very good back-and-forth games, wow, we even closed out with a good one. Uh, I had this one pegged as probably the game of the week. Calgary Stampeders 24, Edmonton Eskimos 18. And I know that not everybody who listens to the Rouge, White, and Blue is a, is a gambling type. But let me tell you, from a gambler's perspective, this game was a lot of fun. Uh, I had the Stampeders to cover the points, which was around five. I think it was four and a half. And I had the over of 47 and a half. So, you know, this goes into the half, and, and it looks like a pretty typical Calgary second half, right, where Calgary is up 9 to nothing. Um, you know, of course, the the offense in Calgary since Nick Arbuckle has taken over has been pretty low watt. They've only scored, they've scored fewer than 25 points per game on the average. They are 4-1 in that time though so I can't complain too much a bit of a low wide game and then we got kind of an old school Calgary game where the teams traded scoring drives in the second half um, what was your impression of this game overall Joe did, did you actually get to watch this one or did you watch on replay or I got to see this one live at home because okay. I flew home Good. we flew home that morning and, oh, okay. uh, and I had to catch the last one we talked about on replay because we were up at stupid o'clock on Saturday morning to get home. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did too. I did too. Yeah. So Edmonton, Calgary. Yeah, uh, I, I think if if there was a if there was a game and a scoreline to show where these two teams stand at this point, this is the one, because mm. Edmonton's the team that doesn't find the way to put things away, and Calgary is the team that does. And it's been that way for probably pretty much since 2015, I would have to say, but especially the last couple of years for Edmonton. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Edmonton only managed to get the two offensive touchdowns, both of them in the third quarter, which actually kind of surprised me because – oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, both of them in the second half, I should say, which kind of surprised me because typically Calgary comes out stronger in that second half, although, you know, again, I can't complain too much. They only got outscored 18-15 to 15 in that second half. So, And the defense was, again, quite impressive for Calgary. Now, Nick Arbuckle, as I said, is 4-1 and one as a starter. He's 5-1 and one overall, if you want to count the BC game where he came in. So he's 4-1 and one as a starter. And when Bo Levy-Mitchell went out, uh, he went on the six-game injured list. We talked about how they were looking at a 3-3. Three and three. Now, Bo Levy came back to practice this week, but it's already been established that Nick Arbuckle will probably play this week. I can't imagine that Arbuckle wouldn't also play the week after because the week after that, there's a bye. So I'd assume that we're getting Bo in, in three more weeks. And then, of course, Bo is – if Bo gets through six games on the sixth game, there's a hefty chunk of his salary that doesn't count anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> he's hoping he'll be back soon. That's for sure. I don't know about the rest of the Western Division teams, but what have you. Um, all right. Well – Calgary has got a scintillating matchup next week, as we hinted at before. We'll talk about that right after, uh, along with all the other games for next week, right after the break. back it's the rouge white and blue cfl podcast i'm oz davis my co-host is joe pritchard let's talk week nine games oh i gotta fire up my uh point spreads here okay let's talk about that opener joe calgary stampeders are seven point underdogs at winnipeg we have not had i think one chance to say this in the history of this podcast how nervous are you who do you like in this game joe i would like to have what vegas is smoking because I don't, <laughs> I don't see how there's seven point underdogs. I'm sorry, I just don't. Right. Right. Yeah, that's uh, too much. They are playing well, and Winnipeg hasn't been. I think what Vegas must be seeing though is that Calgary will be on short rest, and Winnipeg won't be. Because Winnipeg played Thursday last yeah. week, Calgary played Saturday, and is Calgary on the road to Winnipeg? Those are the two big things in the Bombers' favor. But I can't think of another team I'd like to face less when I'm not clicking. Because trying to find your way through a game against Calgary when you're on your game is hard enough as it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to take – I'm going to take – I will take Winnipeg to win the game, but I'll take Calgary to cover the points. Um, what's what's the for you the blueprint for Winnipeg to win this game? For Winnipeg to win this game, they and this has been the same blueprint as I've had all year. If they play up to their what they can do, they're going to win this game because they are still facing a backup quarterback. Uh, they are facing a Calgary defense that has been depleted just due to so many players gone over the cor- over the course of the last couple of years. But I don't 
think I have the confidence that they're going to come out and play that game because I haven't the last two weeks. Uh, I think if what Calgary needs to do to win is to just don't make mistakes and keep moving the ball against what Winnipeg will likely do, which they seem to have uh, seem to have been doing all year, is Winnipeg's not going to give up that big play. Uh, that mm-hmm. was actually their big problem a couple years ago where it was big play after big play and there was teams wouldn't move the ball and all of a sudden oh look there's 86 yards uh Mm -hmm. so this year they are clearly not allowing that but calgary is the type of team that can keep the chains moving and if they do that and keep the bomber offense off the field and wear that defense out i don't see how they don't come away with a win now, again, you talked about the defense before, but it, at this point, Dickinson's got that defense firing on all cylinders. I mean, again, like I said, since Arbuckle took over, they're averaging under 25 points a game, but they're still 4-1. and one. <laughs> I mean, the defense is taking care of business in these games. I think for Winnipeg to win, they should, they can be explicit as they want, but I think it's Feed Harris. It's feed Harris and then, you know, get those one or two lightning plays, which they haven't shown in the past couple of weeks, with with the exception of the one play by Harris last week, I should say. But um, I think I think they can do this. They just need to score four TDs. They, they have to get the 28 points. If they can do that, they can win because Calgary is not an explosive offense right now. They just aren't. And I think contrary to what, you were saying, I think this is when Winnipeg does want to face Calgary because how much worse would it be if you were at full strength, they were at full strength, you took them down to that final field goal and you lost, <laughs> right? I think you'd rather take them on now when they're not at full strength and you stand to gain by rebounding. Now, look, if Winnipeg wins this game at home against Calgary, that's a lift, right? It's a huge. Two games in a row is blown away. It's a yeah. Right? It, it'd be a huge lift, and I think they're capable of it. I just mm-hmm. don't. I just don't see how their blueprint over the last couple of weeks is going to stand up against what Calgary brings to the table. Well, you know what they say about two games, Joe. Small sample size. Do you got Calgary to win this game? I do have Calgary to win this game. Okay. It's going to be. Right. It's not going to be a blowout on either side. I just think Calgary wears them down. It's going to be not quite similar to last week it'd be more like the first or the first loss of this stretch here where calgary Mm. gets a quick early lead and then just wears down the bombers wow well calgary has not been the first quarter scoring team this season for sure i had to look this up the other day and they're they've been outscoring opponents in the second half by a factor of two to one but they just haven't been putting up the points in the first half so i don't know if they're going to get out to a quick lead unless winnipeg makes mistakes and again Winnipeg has won the turnover battle in every single game this year, even last week, except for the Hamilton game. So this will be a test. This could be a really nice, tight, scientific game. I'm very excited. Here's another good game. Saskatchewan Rough Riders at Montreal Alouettes. As I said before, the Alouettes are underdogs, specifically two and a half points. But you know what? I'm going to be contrarian, and I'm going to say, despite the fact that Cody Vajardo and company are playing so well right now, I'm going to say the Montreal defense shuts them down because I love the way the Montreal defense is playing this season. I'm going to take Montreal, and I'm going to take the under at 50-and-a-half and Antonio Pipkin starting at quarterback for sure. But do you think the defense holds them down enough 
so that Pipkin and not William right. Stanback can help them out because William Stanback right. is also out. Right. Right. Yeah. The Alouettes are not scoring a lot of points this year at all. Pipkin is not. Pipkin led offenses are not scoring a lot of points at all. If we can avoid getting backed up on our own three yard line, I think uh, the offense can do just enough not to avoid a blowout uh, to avoid a blowout. So, but I'm going to be confident here. I'm going to back my boys. I don't believe that this is a three and four team. So I'm kind of playing those numbers here. Uh, and plus Saskatchewan is just one and two on the road this year. And the only team they beat was BC who can't beat anybody. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with my Montreal Alouettes. Okay. You? I'll take the riders so that we have taking the riders. All right. Agreement here again, uh, which is We're pretty unusual well. this year. We are usually pretty much down the line, <laughs> which explains how, why I don't have a great, uh, pickup score now, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, right. Okay. Well, here's an easy one for you, Joe. I guarantee we won't disagree on this one. Auto red blacks, nine point underdogs at Edmonton. I think Edmonton smokes them. Do you disagree? I don't. Uh, I mean, Ottawa's okay. defense is going to put up a brave effort, and they might even get a kick return score out of this thing. But I yeah. think that Edmonton's offense is too potent. Uh, they are starting to show a little bit of the ability to make a big play. Uh, if they can, if they can really unleash that, it's a complete blowout. But I think their <laughs> usual methods of the short passes and uh, yards after the catch is probably going to be the way that they're going to run right through this Ottawa defense. Uh, probably more so in the late third and early fourth because they'll have been on the field a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, about special teams because uh, if there's one area in which Ottawa you know, is way better than the Eskimos, it's on that special teams uh, side of the field. Uh, side bet for you, does Lewis Ward miss one in this game? No. Okay. Fair enough. He was three for three last week. All right. Finally, we're closing out the week on Saturday <laughs> with the return of BC Lions, who are ten and a half point underdogs at Hamilton. Hey, who missed the Lions? Anybody? They're back. Uh, let's see. All right, Joe, I'll, I'll let you go first on this one. Ten and a half points to Hamilton. What do you say? Um, do, would Lloyd's of London possibly... <laughs> put out a life insurance policy on Mike Riley right now. <laughs> a life insurance? Wow, you're being hardcore here. Um, Yeah, this is not, <laughs> I would guess, this is not the pass rush that BC wants to face <laughs> right now with the way that that offensive line has been this season. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Hamilton uh, minus the points. I mean, again, I don't think that offense is uh, actually you know blowing anybody's mind right now with the new quarterback. But nah, BC is just so terrible. I gotta see something out of BC. I don't think the bye week is gonna do them any good. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think it's gonna be a long, long season in BC all of a sudden. I guess so. It already has been, huh? <laughs> I haven't listened to the podcast for fear that uh, to the to the pod cast for fear that, uh, you know, our host is desperate over there. In any case. All right. So uh, anything else? What uh, how take us out of here, Joe? 
Take us out of here. Let's get out of here. We're going to close the show for the week. Joe, any words of wisdom? I don't know why you keep coming back to me for wisdom. I, I've never <laughs> been good with that. It's just an expression. <laughs> okay, just good, an expression. Because I don't actually have any of that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, my goodness. We're, we're at week nine already. How did that happen? <laughs> Time. You know how they say Father Time is undefeated? Well, there you go. Father Time also wins the regular season. Uh, in any case, you can find Joe on Twitter at USFL Tecmo. Uh, who knows? I mean, he might be on CFL.ca sometime in the near future. So you'll definitely want to catch that and pay attention to his Twitter feed. Uh, as you know, the Roost White and Blue podcast can be found on Podbean and wherever podcasts are sold. However, I also want to put in a plug for my other podcast based on movies, TVs, pop culture, and whatnot called the MacGuffin Podcast because this week we – talk about discuss review whatnot joe's new favorite canadian tv show kim's convenience whoa whoa whoa, whoa. not quite yet <laughs> i haven't even finished the first season yet so that's a little hasty but i am working okay, on okay. It. <laughs> okay so i should have said favorite new canadian sitcom is what i should have said sounds okay. a little bit better Rather- Yes. Rather than new favorite, right. Uh, but as I know, uh, uh, at least as I hope, because the one time, the last time I did not host the show, we got a lot of plugs in for Corner Gas. So I'm hoping that a lot of fans uh, of this show are fans of Canadian TV as well. Give us a listen to at the MacGuffin Report. Uh, anywhere good podcasts are sold, including Podbean, not sold. Anywhere you get your good podcasts. In any case, you can also find me on Twitter at OzDavis42. For the Rouge, White, and Blue, I am OzDavis42. And for my co-host, Joe Pritchard, we are out of here for this week. Enjoy this week's slate of games. Should be a good one. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.